Good morning, Sydney, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. Now onto the podcast. And today's podcast, we've got a special guest um, in. This man represented Sydney 267 times, a record appearance, scoring 83 goals. Um, he's the all-time leading goal scorer for Sydney FC. He won the A-League Premiership three times, as well as the A-League Champions three times with Sydney FC. Represented Australia 21 times, scoring five goals, on all, and was also a representative of the Australian Under-23 team at the 2004 Olympics. On today's podcast, we welcome Alex Bross. Welcome, Alex, to uh, Behind the Lights. Thanks, boys. Good to see you both. Yeah. Um, before we get started, Alex, how has uh, post-football life been? You've obviously got a young family and um, obviously started a, a radio show with uh, Simon <laughs> Hill as well. How, um, how has post-football life been for, for Alex Bross? Um, it, look, it's been everything I hoped it would be. It's um, given me time to spend with the family and just enjoy being around. I've got three girls at home. Uh, as well as the missus, and just bought a, another well, a female dog. So nothing with girls at my house, nothing which is, is interesting. But um, look, just being around and being home, being able to see the girls do things at school and um, all dancing, gymnastics, all those sorts of things is, um, yeah, I used to miss a lot of that while I was playing, which I imagine most um, you know parents and things at work and, and all of that yeah. go through. So I, I understand that it's normal, but just to actually get the time to um, be there and spend time at home has been has been great so um yeah i'm really enjoying retirement at the moment it's approaching i think uh, nearly two seasons now since i played and um, goes quickly it does go quickly yeah and the, and so does the body mate it goes very quickly so <laughs> need to get back into some sort of shape all right we'll start at the beginning i guess alex uh, of your football career so you came up through the marconi stallions and, and southern district youth system um i guess as a young player coming through what were some of who were some of your biggest influences and, and some of your um, i guess coaches and, and influences as a young player yeah, I think um, kids coming through these days with social media and just the access they have to internet and, and things online, they're, they're able to see players all over the world and watch them, you know, doing things that, um, you know, back when I was growing up, we didn't actually have. So it, it wasn't too much on an international stage that, that I used to look at players and, um, you know, admire or, or look up to anyone like that. For me, it was just, um, you know, the old NSL, I used to enjoy watching uh, Marconi play growing up in that area, not far from there. Um, and I think my father, who basically um, pushed me, um, you know, he used to play when he was young and being South American, um, Uruguayan background, uh, it was just sort of natural for him. And then he had a couple boys with me and my brother, and, and we naturally got into football as well. And he was just always there for us. He coached us as well. Um, as we were growing up and needing work um, on, on different things, you know, after long days at work, and he'd, he'd still find the time to come out and take us to the park and do those things. So I think looking back, um, as a kid, you don't really understand and appreciate that all that much. But um, yeah, I think looking back, definitely he was uh, he was someone who I can now say that I definitely looked up to. Um, you know, just in the way he made time for us to go out and do those things, and um, and also pushed us to to both be you know um, footballers. In regards to coaches that you had as a young boy or young man coming through, were there any that particularly had an influence on you? Um, as a young player and obviously developed your game? Yeah, I had one in particular who um, 
uh, from I had him from around under 12s at Southern Districts um, through to under 16s. Not not the right way through, but um, for a couple of years there and. He's actually stayed in touch with me uh, right throughout my career, and whenever I, um, you know, needed advice or he could sense there was something, um, he, he just knew to send a, a message every now and then, which would, um, you know, spark conversation and get me talking. His name was Ian Marriott, so he doesn't coach anymore, but he was um, he coached a lot of a uh, lot of boys coming through the Southern Districts um, grades back then, and um, yeah, he's definitely someone who. Uh, helped me, you know, I guess uh, in, in those junior years and um, still continued to, to be there, um, you know, even on the sidelines from from a distance. But, um, yeah, someone I kept in touch with for a long time. That's great. I guess the dream of many young footballers, especially coming from Australia, is to go to Europe. Now, you got this opportunity when you were signed by Feyenoord um, from Marconi and obviously you got loaned out to Westerlo. Before you went to Europe, what were your expectations and how did you feel about, obviously, making that big move overseas? Um well, back then it was as well. It was a bit different. We didn't have the A League. It was the NSL, and the NSL was starting to um, well die. Basically, it was it was coming to an end, and um, the crowds were poor. And uh, while the football was quality, and um, and I enjoyed playing those couple of years, it's just um, yeah, you could notice that football was just declining in the country, and yeah. it was basically the the path of any footballer who wanted to make a living out of it. You had to go overseas. Whereas now it's a little bit different. The players have the A League to to you know want to play in and um, and use that if they want uh, as a stepping stone for Europe. But there's you know they can be more than comfortable playing here in in our local league. But for me back then, yeah, it was sort of um, uh, natural that you if you wanted to make something out of football, you had to go overseas. So that was the aim, I guess. Um, playing a couple of years in that NSL, I got the chance just before. The uh, the Olympics, we, we had a tournament in um, in Dubai, the Under Twenties World Cup, and uh, from there I ended up getting signed, and like you said, loaned straight away out to um, to Belgium. And look, it was mixed feelings. I think at the time I was twenty and um, and quite young, uh, but in saying that, looking at the amount of players before and after me that go even younger, I, I think for me something I noticed is I didn't really have that that drive to um, to want to be in Europe and, and, and play in Europe. For me, I, I always wanted to be comfortable and, and I was always at my best when I was comfortable. I mean, I learned that um, as the years went on, looking back, but at the time I just thought I've got to go overseas, otherwise, you know, there, there is no other real option, um, which I did. But, um, and yeah, my time over there in, in Westerlo, in Belgium, was definitely difficult. I don't know if that's the question coming up, but I'll, I'll keep going with that and lead into it. That, um, yeah, it was it was a hard time. Look, everything I expected it to be. Everyone, you know, gave advice on, um, you know, regardless of how you're doing in Australia, when you go over to Europe, you, you're starting all over again, basically. You know, and they don't look to Australians, um, you know, very fondly over there. They they don't see us as a, or they didn't see us back then anyway as a real. Um, major player in in the football I guess landscape so any kids coming from Australia really had to work hard and and prove themselves which um which I knew I expected going there and 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 it was exactly that I I was on loan from Feyenoord but trying to find my way into the um the team in in Westerlo and um yeah I, I struggled on many fronts I think um mainly because well I got injured as soon as I got there which kept me out for about um, a month and straight away already you're up against it as a young Aussie kid going overseas but then to get injured and be in the physio room for a month 
is not easy. But um, yeah, I worked my way back and you know played I think 17, 18 games that season. Um, the other part to it as well, I played most of those games as like a left midfielder, which I wasn't really used to. I'd, I'd always played to that point as a striker and um, playing out of position um, in a foreign league was was definitely uh, difficult. So I feel like I never really settled, but also never really got that opportunity as a striker to, to really show what, uh, what I could do. And then the end of the season came pretty quickly and I had to make a decision on, on whether to stay there, look for another club, um, and then the A-League was starting, or to, so to come back here and, and um, you know, try and re, uh, I guess, get going again with my football career. So I guess, I guess looking back at that time, would there be anything you would do differently if you had a chance to obviously go back overseas and obviously um, do that experience again? Was there any, anything different you would, you would do, you think? No, not at all. I think, um, look, every experience you have teaches you something, whether you know it at the time or not. And I think looking back, it made me realise that, um, you know, it, it just gave me a huge appreciation for all the guys who have gone overseas. You know, people look at that golden generation that we had with Cahill, Bresciano, Grella, all these guys, um, that whole Socceroos team, that, that whole era of players, they, they went over at, at different times, but... They didn't go straight to the Premier League. They didn't go straight to Serie A. They had to battle it out in lower leagues and really fight, um, you know, to get to where they got to. And I think the appreciation and, and understanding of the hard work that it takes and dedication, um, strength, not just the uh, strength in in just your mental um, ability to be able to handle all that. And I think the that's one side of the game that really. Um, doesn't get spoken about enough or probably mentioned to young kids just the mental strength you need to have to go through all those things and that was something that I didn't have you know and, and I assume your resilience too as you said being a, a kid from Australia um, you're already up against it when you go over to Europe so obviously being able to work through those difficult times and prove people wrong yeah exactly right and prove to yourself as well that you deserve to be there and should be there so the resilience mental strength all of that is very very important and is a reason why all those guys were so successful so I look back and think from a football point of view that there's nothing I would have changed I think it taught me a lot um, about myself it made me realize look I'm I'm not comfortable here and maybe it isn't for me and then I was fortunate that um, you know the A-League was starting and it seemed it was gathering momentum it seemed like it was going to be something big here and for me it was an excuse to come back home and be comfortable again and be around family and friends but um, again looking back that's what always made me um, you know the happiest and, and, and on the football field brought the best out in me so I have no regrets in that I, I just think that um, the whole European adventure and and what it took to become a top level pro in Europe just wasn't for me absolutely obviously you mentioned it so you came back to the A-League uh, to Queensland rule now Brisbane rule uh, under Miriam Blyberg how did that move materialize and, and as you said was it a, a move for you to sort of reignite your career um, in terms of you're still so young at that time? It was, um, yeah, for me, like I said, it, it was an excuse for me to come back, but I was being, um, you know, almost pushed to stay overseas. Everyone that I spoke to said that coming back to Australia would be a step backwards, but, um, you know, I tried to spin it in a way that, look, it could get my career back on track and get me going again and possibly get me another move. That was the spin that I put on it, but for me, I, I wanted to come home. So... Uh, yeah, while I was being, uh, you know, convinced to try and stay in Europe, um, 
There was only, I think at that point as well in the A-League, there was only, you were only allowed, each club only had 20 players and most of the clubs were already um, full and, and had their uh, squads in place ready for the season. Queensland had uh, one spot available and uh, were looking for a player and um, yeah, so we spoke to Miron and um, Miron didn't know, I don't think too much about me, but he, a lot of the players that I played in the under 20s World Cup were actually in that squad. So I think he spoke to a few of them. I came back for a, uh, about a week or two trial and um, ended up signing. So in terms of your time now post Queensland, you know, you kind of had that choice between Melbourne Victory and then Sydney FC and of course chose Sydney FC. Why did we go with that choice and kind of um, what do you feel about, you know, your time with Sydney FC and choosing that? Um, for me, it was a, a fairly even, uh, easy one. I think um, it was midway through the season and um, Sydney approached me about, about signing at the time. They were, um, them and Melbourne were definitely always going to be the biggest, the two biggest clubs. But for me, Sydney was home. So it was, it was not even, uh, um, I guess, a question of where I'd go. I was always going to come to Sydney and um, yeah, the, the decision was quite easy. And then Coming to Sydney and spending five uh, five years, it, it wasn't easy in the beginning. I think the uh, the five years that I spent after I came back um, from Japan and UAE were obviously a lot more. There was a lot more stability within the club and um, much better squad we had as well. But the five years um, after Queensland were um, just a, a real mixed bag. We had a, a good couple seasons, some bad seasons, uh, a lot of coaches, um, but enjoyable all the same. We'll touch on your Japan and UAE experience um, in a bit, but in terms of, uh, just touching on a point you made there, in terms of your initial time in the A-League and then obviously having that little bit of time overseas and coming back, did you notice a difference in the A-League level at all in terms of the professionalism of the league itself? Um, between the first yeah, between and the, the first second in, and then obviously because you, you came obviously quite early on in the A-League mm-hmm. development, came back and it obviously had been around five, six years since it had started. Um, did you notice a massive difference in terms of the way the league had been run and obviously the professionalism of the clubs um, involved in the A-League? Well, I think the biggest difference was that transition from the old NSL to the A-League. Because um, in the NSL, we were training, you know, three, maximum four times a week, um, you know, in the evenings as well. So some well, players were still... Exactly right. That's yeah. exactly what it was. So I think that jump then into professional football where you're training every morning, um, you know, you're playing, you're doing recovery... All of that, um, it just made it feel a lot more, um, you know, professional and like it should, what you'd expect of, of uh, a, a top, you know, sport in the country, uh, which to that point it hadn't been. So that for me was the big difference. But we still had a lot of, obviously, NSL players that made that move as well into the A-League. So I think the, the quality of football was good. It, that um, transition made the game quicker. It made it exciting. But... Um, the difference, I guess, in, in the four or so years that I was away in Japan and the UAE and coming back, it, it was just the game seemed to have gotten a lot quicker. Mm. Um, it was more end-to-end, and I think probably because, um, speaking honestly, I just think we, we and not through a, a lack of trying, we just didn't, we weren't um, able to keep the ball in general across the league as good as what we used to. But in saying that, I think... The tactics developed a lot more, so coaches were a lot smarter. They started to figure out how to shut teams out. Um, a lot more homework was done into teams, into opposition, um, which you know wasn't the case in in the early couple of years of the um, of the A League. So I think it's more just the tactics and the 
the approach to the games um, that I noticed a real difference on. And then the quality of football, just because of our inability to really keep good possession and get ourselves out of tight trouble, um, it was a, it turned into a real you know fast turnover league where it was end to end. It was it was a lot of action, great for the fans, but as players, a lot more work. And you needed to be quicker. You needed to develop more as a player, be a lot more physical on that sense. Um, yeah, so they're the major differences. Just leaving your, your club career behind just for a second. Obviously, you did have international experience as well. You obviously represented Australia um, both at the senior level and at the in the under twenty to twenty three level as well. What were some of, I guess, some of the highlights from that part of your football journey? Obviously, you got to represent at the 2004 Olympics, which I'm sure would have been a highlight for yourself. Um, how did you find that international step up and, and sort of playing around? As you said, you would have been around players like Tim Cahill and, and some of those golden generation. Um, how was that for you and, and how did you find that? I thought every, every part of it, whether it was 20s, Olympic team, national team, just putting on the Australian jersey is, is special, you know, and I think um, regardless of what age you do it at, uh, it's always such a good feeling. And looking back now, like, you know, leaving camp and coming home and unpacking and seeing that you've got an Aussie shirt in your in your bag and you get to keep that forever, that's something that's, um, that is pretty, yeah, pretty that's special. something that can't be taken away from no, you. No, exactly Once right. Once you have it, you have it. Exactly right. And I think, um, look, while I always felt a bit more comfortable in the under 20s or under 23s because you know all the boys they're all your your age you've grown up with them um making that um you know first appearance and, and few appearances with the national team like you said when you've got that generation of players that that was incredible um for me just being in camps with those guys was um was special you know they, these guys would come together from all over the world um, just seeing them laughing and, and chatting and, and um, having a good time together just in you know general meals from day to day and then going out and seeing the intensity that they trained at and realising um, just what it took to be at the level that they played at for me was insane and being able to train with those guys and sometimes you know take the pitch with them play with them um, it was was great looking back they were great experiences um I guess going back to your club, obviously we touched on it before. You did have an experience in Japan and the UAE. Um, I guess the reason I bring this up is I guess those countries have now become, I guess, more of a pathway for young players in Australia. We've obviously seen more and more young players playing in, in the Asian leagues. Um, how do you see those leagues in terms of developing football talent here in Australia? And do you think they, they are good pathways for young footballers to take rather than just looking at the European uh, pathway for young players here? Yeah, how was your experience over there? Well, look, I don't particularly think there is a um, you know a path, a certain path that needs to be taken. I think every player will, will um, do their own thing, and whether it is a move into Asia or to Europe in the lower leagues. Um, look, for me, I think regardless, if you go there and you do well, then you're you're going to be looked at and seen, and can potentially get a move from there. So I think it just needs to be the right move in terms of the football and the style of football played in that country, um, whether the player is going to be comfortable. Uh, whether that football suits the player, all those sorts of things. So whether that's Asia, whether it's Europe, and, and just the right country where the player is going to be comfortable off the field as well. So there's a lot of things I don't think going to Europe over Asia or, or vice versa is, is the right or wrong path. But with my experiences there, look, I think Japan was an incredible um, incredible experience for me. One, one of, um, I guess, the best experiences um, overseas that I had in football. I... I 
I can't speak highly enough of the people and the culture and just what they're like. Anyone who's been to Japan um, for more than a stopover will tell you that it's um, the, the people are just something else. It's incredible to see uh, just how beautiful the culture is, the people are, how friendly they are. Um, they take pride in, in everything in, in their culture and in helping people. And um, they, they made it so easy for me and my family and went out of their way um, to make us feel comfortable and welcome. And, and that, again, that can't be understated because it then made me feel comfortable on the field. Um, the training itself was, was great. I mean, Japan is such a technical league where, you know, it's, it's not um, as physical as other leagues around the world, other leagues even in Asia, Korea in particular is a very physical league. Um, Japan is just all technical. I got there and I couldn't tell who was a defender, who was a striker, who was a winger. They were just all incredible players. And um, it did take me a bit of time to get used to the speed of it. Um, I remember a couple, I think a couple of weeks in, we were about to go on pre-season camp and um, it just, I felt way off the pace. I, and I thought, um, yeah, I remember speaking to my wife thinking, you know, we could be we could be home in a couple of weeks here. This is, yeah. <laughs> is going to be difficult, you know. Yeah. And um, look, in the end, um, look through a huge uh, tragedy of the of the country. I was actually there when the um, tsunami happened and the the big um, nuclear disaster. How was it being there when something like that hits? Oh, it was um, it was crazy again, and and I'd only been there for about um, four or five weeks, I think, and um, incredible. I'd, I'd heard that Japan had a lot of earthquakes. It's it's yeah. quite a regular occurrence there. So, and it was actually the first one that I experienced. We were quite far away from it but I just remember the uh, reaction to everybody and, and, and how it was it just, it seemed different I thought this can't be the way they react for every little yeah. you know vibration we get here it, it seemed different and then we went back we were just having lunch and we went to get the um, the train back home and um, everything had been shut down there was news reporters everywhere so again I knew something big had happened we, we got home and had to walk up 14 flights of stairs because the lifts weren't working um, and turn on the TV and just and saw what had happened and just in shock we couldn't believe it and then again going back to the people just seeing how how it affected them and how they were how they responded how they came together was um, incredible uh, but then back to the football we had a month off where it just gave me a bit more time to get used to the pace and um, the coach as well he sort of realized that in the position he was playing me which was as a winger wasn't really suited to me so luckily he saw that and brought me back as more of a you know we played with two tens uh, so but more of a midfielder um alongside Shinji Ono actually I played I played there with him yeah and um it, I just felt more comfortable and, and as I got used to the pace of it and and got sharper just naturally with with the training um i just felt so much more comfortable and and the two years that i spent there i really enjoyed was that a massive contrast from obviously your experience earlier in your career at westerlo where you said you didn't you never really felt settled in japan you felt completely comfortable obviously once you'd you'd sort of uh been there a little while yeah definitely and look it helped that i had um another aussie playing there as well Eddie Bosner he was there with me and he helped me settle and um, you know being in a country like Japan where you don't not only speak the language but everything you look at looks the same and you don't know what's a barbershop what's a you know uh, a restaurant you don't know where anything is um, he helped out a lot so it was good having him there the coach was American so even the language barrier training was was good for me Um, which is a big thing for players when they go overseas you don't 
necessarily think about that, but that language barrier can be a huge, uh, huge thing. It is big, yeah, and, and it's it can be difficult. So for me, even that um, worked in my favour where the actual local players needed a translator. So for me, it worked out well, um, and he helped me settle as well. Like I said, he realised that playing as a winger didn't suit me. He brought me back a bit more into midfield, um, and I felt more comfortable there. Um, and really just love my time there. I felt gr- I felt comfortable. The fans as well. They 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 they're great. Um, whether you're doing well or not, um, look, they're like fans all over the world. But they just there's something different and special about them. They really appreciate. Um, I think Australians in particular. There's a, a work ethic that we have that is is quite unique, and they appreciate that. You know, um, chasing things that most players probably wouldn't. Um, and as a player, then you 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 feed off the energy that they're giving giving to you, you know. So I, I really love my time there. So you touched on the fact that you then made your journey back to Sydney. So now you had a little bit more experience under your belt, but this time coming back to Sydney FC, you're named captain. How how did that feel? Did that did you feel a little bit added pressure, or how did you feel about being honoured as the captain for Sydney FC? Yeah, it was a weird one. I I remember going through preseason and and I came back. I think I was uh, well, I was. I think I was 30, if I'm not mistaken, when I came back. So I was definitely um, at the back end of my career. But um, the way I was and the way I continued to be, I was still, I still felt young. I still felt like one of the the young boys. We had a few older players there, and um, I think because I left, you know, in my mid 20s, it was um, where I, you know, everything was left to the older players. As I just played, I mucked around with the younger boys, and 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 that was it. And coming back. Um, realizing that there was just so many more younger players than me now um, I had a good chat with Arnie and and he told me now that you know all these boys would be looking to to me um, you know for I guess leadership to make you know so it was important for me to be doing the right things and, and not always just be mucking around and having a laugh it was important to realize that I was that that I could be seen as a bit of a role model to these boys and then as preseason went on I think he saw the um, but what he said to me was he saw that the the effect that um, that I had around the players and just my ability to um, mix together the young boys with the old boys and um, you know make sure that everyone was together and um, yeah so I, I think in, in seeing that it probably wasn't so much he said look he, he, he did say on the field as well being um, being a striker and and you know the things that you do in terms of not not so much on the ball but off the ball the pressing and the um, the hunger that you show, um, it, it really brings the team with you. He goes, so yes, I want those things and I want the players to look to you and, and, and be inspired by that on the field, but off the field as well, that um, I guess that social glue of just keeping all the players there, there together, happy and you know where you don't have the foreigners sitting here and the old players here, young players here. I think that was very important to Arnie, making sure that everyone was, was together and he, and he felt that I did that. and. Um, he thought that I'd be a good captain. I didn't necessarily think um, at all I'd be a good captain. I thought captains were always the guys who had, you know, big voices. They were big, strong, and um, you know, if there was any trouble, they were the first ones there in in, in the game. And um, and that just wasn't me. I wasn't someone who, you know, barked orders at training. Um, I just played and did my thing and mucked around with the players, and that was it. But he, um, yeah, he thought that somewhere in there there was. Um, you know, uh, some sort of captain role that, that I could play and um, in, in my personality. And it did change me, to be fair. I think it just does naturally. When you're given the armband and that responsibility, it does it does change you. And, um, look, I think it, it changed me in a, in a positive way. 
Um, yeah, and no, I, I, I loved it. I loved the five years that I was captain. To win a championship for your boyhood team, I guess, boyhood city, was that probably the proudest moment for you in terms of looking back on your football career to, to win a championship and a premiership with, uh, with Sydney FC? Yeah, it was. I think, um, look, there's a lot of nice moments um, to look back on. Um, but for me, the one that definitely stands out was because um, I, I did win a championship before going away that first time in Melbourne. Um, that was the first one that I'd won, and that was incredible. That was, um, I mean, again, to win a, a championship, premiership for Sydney FC um, was special. But I think to do it at home um, that year when we had an incredible year, um, it was just such a good year, good group of players. Um, we broke a lot of uh, records that year, and um, yeah, the pressure going into that final, and then the way that it ended up coming down to Ningo's penalty. Just a well, celebration, were you? Yeah, I was, I was. It's it was nice. a lot of pressure. There was, and and look, um, looking back at that, just that that's something that I'll never forget. That's probably my proudest and, and happiest moment. I mean, obviously, uh, I guess post your football career this year, I guess the last year and a half, obviously, in COVID, come in and not just affect football but affect uh, society as a whole. How have you seen, I guess, the governing body here in Australia react to COVID? And in a funny way, do you think it actually could open up some opportunities for young footballers here in Australia? We've seen some really young, good young footballers come through Central Coast at the moment. In terms of less European or less overseas players coming here and actually opening those opportunities uh, for the young boys here, which is what they need to develop. Yeah, I think as a sport, this is... Um, and, and I spoke to Danny Townsend about it um, a lot just because he's involved with the... Um, APL now, the new governing body uh, that's run by the clubs, which is great. And look, I think the main thing out of that chat is um, that COVID has been a blessing because um, I think if you look at, it's, it's just, I think it's about time that football started to really take control of its own, um, I guess its own progress and um, and step out of the shadow of, of other codes and being dictated, you know, in terms of pitches, what pitches we use, when we can use them, Fox as well, the, uh, you know, the stranglehold they ho- hold over football because of the fact that they pay, you know, the rights. And um, look, I think if we can do our own thing and take control of our own game with the way we stream the game and the way we do it, then um, football should, without a doubt, be the biggest sport in this country. Not rugby league not afl like our game is global it reaches out to so many more people um well, when you look at the junior base as well we've got million what two three million people playing the game of football at a young age so well that's a huge catchment area it, there. exactly right and a lot of a lot of a lot of kids they um even rugby league players they start off playing football and then go off into into league i think and and danny brought up a, an incredible point about just trying to connect every one of those two three million people and their families to our game here you know and and that will help the game grow um so look i think COVID has been a blessing um for football you know i think it's been a disaster in many ways for the country and for people um a lot of people are obviously suffering from it but um look i think just purely on football it has been a blessing it's given us um i guess it's shown the true colours of certain, you know, people. And, and um, you look at Fox, the way they've handled um, the situation with football and pretty much throwing us aside and cutting the funding. And, um, look, I think it's um, it's quite disgraceful and poor what they've done and how they've handled it. But in a way, it's allowed us now to do our own thing 
and um, and actually try and grow the game our own way because um, what we have is unique again like I said it's a sport that um, that can do what no sport in this country can do we've seen with things like the FFA Cup little things like that they they don't have that the reach that we have in bringing your Chelsea's your Liverpool's to come and play here international clubs um, our international football I mean you know when Australia in well I don't think AFL has a national team but rugby league does and you know, there's no one that can compete with them because they are the best. We we have countries that we can genuinely compete with them, and uh, and bring those countries here. And um, so football for me should should grow out of this. I'm I'm actually excited speaking to Danny with uh, with his optimism for where it's um, where it's going to go about connecting. You know, like I said, those millions of people that support and play our game um, to to feel something, to want to grow up, and um, or every weekend just want to go. I think I think a we're responsible for that as well as as a general public. If we want the game to grow, it's up to us. We need to go out there in numbers and support. So that is a big thing. But I think the clubs now are going to to do everything they can to try and get that connection back. So I'm really excited for the game. Further to that, obviously, the television deal is coming up soon as well. Do you think that's integral in getting that right in regards to trying to get as many eyeballs? As you said, obviously, you want people attending the game, but obviously you also want people watching it. Um, through whatever means in terms of the media they get it through is that integral to to growing this sport in this country it's one of the biggest things because i think the reason we've been at fox's mercy is because they've been willing to throw money to the sport and in doing that it gives the clubs money it allows us to bring players in it also helps you know in funding the grassroots um, and developing the game from right down from the grassroots up so the more money that come the money coming into the game is is um is definitely the most important thing it, it allows us the time and the resources to be able to build the game so the tv deal coming up now is um is as big as it gets for me i think if they can get it right if they can with whether it's streaming um the content on their own and trying to grow that as well as maybe you know going to free to air and a few other other networks um to try and capture a, a big market um, while at the same time reconnecting with everyone and getting, because what we want to see is, again, like big crowds. I look back and doing this radio show with Simon Hill, we look back at classic matches and, and you see the stadiums that are full. You look at derbies and remember that that was a guaranteed sellout a few years ago, whereas now it's it doesn't have the same. So where is everyone? You know, If we can reconnect everybody, if we can get this TV deal right, which is not going to be easy, but if we can get those two things right, then um, the game will definitely become the biggest sport in this country. And then obviously going from, from that club land to, to the national team, where do you see this next generation, I guess, coming from? And, and sort of are you excited about or do you have optimism in terms of that next Australian generation? Obviously, we're now consistently qualifying for World Cups, but actually doing well at a World Cup and, and possibly trying to qualify for those round of 16s like our golden generation did. And I guess the only other thing that, that seems to be lacking is, is our First Nation um, representation. You came through with Jade North, one of our mm-hmm. most famous sort of First Nations players and this very successful player. Um, do you think there still needs to be more done in terms of those pathways to encourage, um, obviously there's John Moriarty Foundation, there are foundations there that do encourage football, but obviously we see Rugby League and AFL really dominating that space. Is there more that football can do um, to encourage um, representation of our First Nations and taking advantage of, of the talented young people that are there? Definitely, I think that's uh, one area that's probably um, under underutilized at the moment. 
And um, when you look at other codes, I think they are doing that very, very well. But it, for me, it does still come back to to funding and resources um, because you know I think if speaking just purely from Sydney FC's point of view, the first thing in the setting setting up of the A League was to establish a first team, eventually get um, you know a youth team going, the uh, the juniors right through the W League as well. Um, setting up juniors for the W League. And then I think as well, um, there needs to be other inclusive um, uh, platforms and, and, and teams for players. If you look at First Nation players, players like Jade North, um, Freddie Aegis was another one coming through when I was, when I was younger. They have a natural um, athletic ability um, that is... That it, that, that we can tap into definitely. I think the football side of it and, and developing that, that's why they're great at rugby league and AFL because athletically. Um, and see the excitement they bring to those people. Absolutely. Like, I love, you'd love watching those players because they've got to they express themselves exactly, um, exactly. amazingly. And they've got a passion and, and desire and hunger that's, um, that, that's quite rare to find as well. Um, so look, it's definitely an area that um, needs to be focused on on more because, like I said, athletically they're there. It's about um, you know developing them um, from a football point of view um, and, and getting them to look at football as a as a, an avenue for them to become professional, not just rugby league and, and AFL. But I think um, look with the Socceroos question you you mentioned, and then going back to a question you asked before about COVID, I think the one thing that that did within not having as many foreigners come you've you've seen it the whole league um has just been flooded with so much good young talent every squad is bringing you know four or five good young players adelaide is doing it well um and and so many young players are coming through so i think now last season if you'd asked me that question i just would not have known where we were going to go with our national team already there's not many playing in europe in the top leagues um and it's concerning to see uh, where our national team was going to go. But I think with all these young boys coming through now, um, I think that's going to give us a real boost in the next few years. These kids will just get more, um, will, will develop more, they'll get, they'll get better. It's hard because you, you sort of understand why teams are a little bit reluctant to throw in too many youngsters because it is a results-driven um, industry and, and coaches can get the sack very, very quickly for that. They don't play the best team available. And usually you need a lot of experience to do that. Um, But look, we need to add more teams. We need a second division. Those things will help with the young kids coming through. So that's also very important. Um, But I think just this year alone with the amount of young kids coming through and just the coaches' um, bravery to throw them in, um, I think we'll show in a few years with our national team. Yeah. I guess, Alex... With your experience and you know, I guess your football experience, what piece of advice would you give to, I guess, young aspiring footballers in this country and also their families in terms of, um, I guess, trying to make it? And obviously, what what do you take out of your football experience in terms of what should you focus and enjoy most about it? Look, I think I, the thing that I learned the most um, in in growing up playing the game where I played and how I came to end up being a professional. Um, and I do get asked a, a little bit like when parents um, want to know where you know where their kids should go or where they should play or where they should be at this age there is no set path to becoming a professional footballer I think me growing up um, 
I was never one of the better kids in my age, right up until, you know, in my juniors, up until under 16s. I just, I was at Southern Districts and played with them right through to 16s. And because that was a feeder sort of club with Marconi for the then Colts and youth teams, um, I got picked into there, then went, and then I started to develop physically. I was always quite small as a, as a player. So I started to develop, get quicker, get stronger. Um, and it wasn't until about 16, 17 that I actually um, started to become a, a much better and an all-round player. Um, and from there, I went to the AIS and, and, and kept going from there. But it, there is no set pass. I think it's just making sure that um, the kid growing up just enjoys the game. I've seen so many parents drive their kids out of football because of the pressure they put on them. Um, because of that expectation to, um, you know, think that they need to be playing here and training here and doing this and doing that. For me, that, that can all get too much and it can actually drive kids away, especially when they get to those 14, 15, 16 um, years where, you know, a lot of, um, I mean, as guys, you know, you start to get other interests and things, uh, you, you start to just change the way you see the world. Um, and it, it's difficult to try and keep them into football. So I think with parents that are too full on, it um, it just, it, it can drive them away. So I think the main thing is just to enjoy the game. Obviously, if you can assist in their development and, and working on their weaknesses, but that needs to come from them as well. They need to, they need to have that desire and that want to um, be, become a better footballer, become a professional. And then I think it's just as a parent, um, just finding ways to allow that to happen um, while still keeping a smile on their face when they go out on the weekend and play. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's perfectly said that it's all about the enjoyment and it's about when you go out on that pitch, you put a smile on those greats in the game. Look at Ronaldinho, for example. Always had a smile on his face exactly. when he went out there. You could tell he always enjoyed it. But um, we always like to end the show on a bit of a lighter note. Okay. So we typically end on a five quick fire questions, <laughs> a little bit of a... Yes or no, top of the head kind of uh, okay. answers, uh, or just really concise. Um, so if you're happy to, we'd love to ask you uh, five quick questions, all football related. All right, let's do it. All right. First question is, um, who do you think will win this year's A-League? I'm, I'm still going to go with Sydney FC. I think um, look, <laughs> Melbourne City, Adelaide showing some good form at the moment. Mm. Um, but Sydney in big games... Um, in the last few years, they've, they've been probably more dominant than they have been now, uh, but still, too much big game experience. Hey, you know what? Can't knock you going with your roots <laughs> there. you got to go with them. Now, we know um, you have some Uruguayan backgrounds there. So, um, who do you think will win this year's Copa America? Um, good question. I actually think Brazil will win it. Yeah, I think they've got... Um, they seem to have revamped their squad a little bit. They've got some guys that are firing all over the world at the moment. Um, and I think they'll have too much quality. Yeah. Now, looking at um, Australian football as a whole, what would you say is the single biggest challenge right now that they're faced with? The single biggest challenge right now, I think, is just where the game goes next year. I mm -hmm. think next year is a big year in, in terms of all the things we just mentioned, connecting again with the fans, the TV deal, um, information and setting up a, a second division um, so the next six months is massive for Australian football. Definitely, definitely agree with that. Now looking ahead into the Euros, I'm a proud Italian, so of course I'm knocking Italy to uh, win the Euros, but who would you say is the favourite this year? 
Um, well, I did. Did uh, the German coach? He's re- is he um, still on for one more year? Right. This is his okay. Final year. This is his okay. final year. So he's not taking them to the World Cup. He's not. He won't be taken to the World Cup. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with them then. I think they'll want to send him out a winner. That's 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 pretty fair though. Germany is a bit of a beast in terms of the <laughs> footballing nation as well. And um, do you think that Manchester City can do the impossible and do a quadruple this year and winning pretty much everything? I would love to see it. It's never been done before, right? It has never been no. done before. Uh, then what better manager um, to, to do it? And um, I'd love to see it. I, I, do they have a realistic chance? I mean, I, I don't see why they wouldn't. The Champions League is going to be difficult, of course, but the FA Cup, um, who's left in that? Chelsea? Leicester. Leicester. Southampton. Southampton, okay. Southampton, I'll have no dramas with. But... Um, and the League Cup, so where are they with that? They've got the, the final. Against Tottenham. Against Tottenham. Yeah. Okay, okay. Is that the next game or is that later? It's the next game. Well, that might be in April. It's in April, okay, early April, okay. that one. Look, I think if they get that one first, because um, that's probably one that he's going to, that's fourth on their list of cups to care about. So, mm-hmm. you know, if that fits in nicely with their schedule and they can win that one, the others, they'll definitely want to win. So I hope they do it. Being a United fan, I hope they don't. But, um, <laughs> let's just see how they go. Um, Alex, we really want to thank you for uh, coming on Behind the Lights. Um, it's been a great pleasure to talk to you and about your career and your experiences. And, and obviously, we wish you all the best in your post-football endeavours and hope to see you involved um, in football, hopefully, down the track. So uh, thank you very much, Alex. No problem. no problem, boys. And thanks for having me on. It's been good to, to chat about this and share some, some of my experiences. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you.